And good evening, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on this excursion down the river of... Oh, you messed me up. You're sitting... I had it. Then you started getting... Ah! You're killing me over here. You really are. I actually had it. I was practicing it in the bathroom just minutes before. You got to come out here. Okay, okay. Wait, wait, go ahead. Well, no, it's too late now because now I'm laughing. Because like, of the stream of consciousness, the, the river of tranquility, and onto the lake of love, blah, 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 blah. I think I had done like three in a row that were good, and I completely botched that one. Oh, well, such is life. Thank you, guys, everybody, for joining us tonight. It's uh, going to be an interesting show, apparently. We've got, uh, unlike usual, I didn't actually put a theme together. So we've got another Saturday night grab bag of love, life, uh, relationships. Etc. So it should be interesting. Anything on there you particularly looking forward to today, love? Um, um, I like the uh, twelve rude revelations about sex. Oh, so you just want to just start? We'll start right off the top. You just just jump right in. Good for that one. Yeah. Hey, why not? Right. Yeah. Keep it light. Keep it. Even though sex is not always a, I like a, a light subject, which is actually oddly enough kind of the first things. In the top of the discussion, and so yeah, let's just jump right into it because I'll save my philosophical meanderings while you are on break. Uh, we'll try that. We'll try a different bit of it. So, twelve rude revelations about sex. It's an article in Psychology Today, so it's not the you know one of our normal hipsy dipsy <laughs> you know very you know how we a lot of times we use. Um, Mental health centered, or we, or uh, mighty, yeah, mental health for the mighty, or we use other sources that are more, I don't know, along our hippie lines, shall we say, right? They kind of have the hippie vibe to them, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But on this particular subject about sex, oddly enough, we're using psychology today. source and we looked at it I looked at it today oh psychology today normally those that's the kind of thing I use for my political discussions not our life love and relationship topics not that it's a bad thing I'm just saying it's in my mind it triggers a different response because my history of what I also other do so before we head into that though I want to remind ourselves that you can send love you dear lovey letter at love at late night love us and we can answer your Life, love, and love relationship questions as best we can. And you can visit us at love at latenightlove.us. And you can find us every Saturday night, 10 p.m., on YouTube, Facebook, or just go to our website and we have it there. But you can also find us on all the various social media platforms and your favorite podcast network. Okay, all of that business out the way. Please comment, like, subscribe, all the various things that you do on whichever various platform you are listening on. It would give us a boost that we're actually doing something, even though we're continuing to grow on pure organic growth every week. We grow a little bit. Yay, thank so, you for your support. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's still you know, continue growing. All right, even though we did take a little bit of a downturn when I was sick, 
So, but that's I suppose should be expected. We're kind of skimming along, barely doing the minimum, and you know now we're getting back up to back up to speed as I start to pick up. Feeling healthy. Okay, so right off the top, why do most people lie about their true desire? That's actually an easy one to answer. That's an you, easy one. Why you feel you know like you're afraid? Well, so you're you're afraid of being rejected, fundamentally. You're afraid. Not it's just a fear of being different, but with your loved one, it's a fear of being rejected, which is why you can have all kinds of weird sex with a stranger, but you don't even want to talk about it with your spouse. Because who cares if a stranger rejects you? You don't give a crap about them. There's no emotional connection. It's a pure physical thing. With your spouse, you don't want to, it's the emotional connection you fundamentally care about. And having be rejected is, you know, catastrophic to your psychology. And so it, it actually makes sense that you would be more afraid to talk to you those innermost kind of you know strangest desires to the people who you care about the most because those are the people who can hurt you the most by rejecting you. Some freak on the internet, who cares? Be self select out, it doesn't matter. But your spouse person you actually have an emotional attachment to, the person you want to care of, to love you and, and think good positively about you, and to find out that you're got, you know, I don't want to degrade any particular... Yeah, but early on, it can be a deal breaker. I was dating someone once, and I asked, what are you into? And he's like, oh, I really can't tell you. And I'm like, well, and I really can't help you. No, <laughs> no, you're not gonna talk. Well, and that's that's also part of the thing. If your sexual identity, your desires, and identity are that tied together, then you have to have that conversation. Some people, their sexuality and and their identity aren't that tied together. They can lose their kind of freaky side, not engage in it, and not feel like they've lost something. What other people do. You say, I've gained far more than I've lost, so whatever. But other people, they can't, that that loss is too big of a loss. And so they have to find someone who is more sexually compatible than others. And it's, again, the world is not simple. <laughs> it's not a binary choice. It's all these weird shades of the wonderful rainbow. And, you know, finding your per particular person is difficult. But being dishonest, you know, because part of the problem is you start to be dishonest with yourself. That's really the problem, is you think you can live without it if you can't. Uh, that is a tough one to call. Yeah. And it, it changes in your life. You know, the older you get, the less important these things can become. Not necessarily always, but it can become, you know. You've got hormones and stuff driving your sexual desires, interest in something new. Once you've kind of done everything, you've kind of been there, you've done that. <laughs> you know? Curiosity isn't there. Right, the curiosity is killed. The, the newness is killed. And so you settle down into your favorite four or whatever it is. And as long as your partner's fine with that, you know, it's happy to worry. 
but it's fear of rejection, and it's a real fear. And but you know, you try to be as honest as possible. I don't judge people too harshly on, on keeping some of these things private, but you know, who goes there by judge and all that. What's that phrase that I just completely butchered? <laughs> There's a saying that I just will move on. But then again, Rashad, it can be devastating yeah. to a partner yeah. sometimes. I chat with a gentleman. He, uh, he came out to his wife that he was bisexual. And they're now getting a divorce. Well, see, the need to practice the bisexuality is different than, than being theoretically bisexual. Right. Well, this was something he was interested in. He was he wanted to just start exploring. He was yeah. He was feeling like he had lost something. Yes. Yes. Whatever there wasn't a replacement. Hey, you watch a show that is fundamentally like that. Uh, they have great actors on it. What's the name of the show? Grace and Frankie. Yeah, yeah the, it, it's a great cast. They have great acting. It, I don't like the show, but I have, you know, you give credit where credit is due. When people are good at their craft and, and do it well, you don't have to particularly like the end result to appreciate the, the work and effort and talent and all, all that. Yeah. You know? Especially when it comes to entertainment. It's not my thing. Doesn't mean it's not not done well. <laughs> you know, you can, I can appreciate. It's one of my favorite background shows. I put it on to just have something playing in the background. And I can, I can tune in when I want to. And I, I have my favorite parts. And, you know. Yeah, but the whole thing is fundamental about people not being honest about their sexuality. And really yes, for 20 years, the it's about... A, two couples and the husband's had an affair for 20 years and then they decided to they took him to a restaurant and they told them they decided they wanted to get married they were going to leave their wives and then the the story is what happened after that yeah but the point is it's you know there's it's common it is so common that we actually make TV shows about it now. And it's good that we can start to talk about these things, that you should have these conversations earlier because you can cause a lot of pain if you don't. And not intentionally, accidentally on purpose. You know, literally accidentally on purpose. Yeah, you just make these decisions, but you don't really mean to cause pain. You just, oh, what a table when we weave, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, but why is sex more difficult to talk about in this era, not, not less? I, 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 is it more difficult? I don't think it's more difficult. I don't think it's more difficult. I think it feels more difficult because we're more open to talk about it and it's fundamentally uncomfortable. So it actually feels more difficult. And we have deeper conversations about it. We have conversations that, you know, people in our grandparents' generation wouldn't have. I grew up in a household that had, you know, the, all three Joy of Sex books on the bookshelf just sitting there. It was like a normal thing. So, 
you know, for me, I kind of live in a different world than a lot of I've lived in a different world than a lot of people when it came to sex. It's always been relatively open. Even if you didn't talk about it, it wasn't hidden. And so, but there's a lot of people like that. And it's just, I just think it just seems more overwhelming today than it is because we come across, the more we talk about it, the more conflict we're going to have. Different people are going to have different views. And so it feels harder to talk about, despite the fact that we're actually talking about it more, which means it's easier to talk about. It, it's the strange oxymoron thing. It feels harder to talk about precisely because we're talking about it more. And because we're talking about it more, there's more conflict in the discussion, which makes it feel harder to talk about. Uh-huh. But it's not because we're talking about it more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's one of these things that it feels a way, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. I would argue. All right. What's next? <laughs> How is sex a great lie detector? Wait, where did you pass? Where, did I miss something? It's between the two. It's between the two cucumbers. <laughs> Why are those two cucumbers there? I, I don't understand. I don't, someone needed a picture, so they put cucumbers in there. I don't get it. Okay. How is sex a great? Well, all right. I get it. Well, you can't fake a sexual reaction. Well, no, but the body sometimes does its own thing. Especially when you're a young male. You don't have to necessarily like the person to be have a sexual attraction to them as a young man. No. No. Hormones don't work that way. Sorry, it just doesn't. I don't know if it works. I can't discuss the women's perspective, but from a man's perspective, you know, a light breeze can just it just works that way. And so it's not as great of a lie detector as they say it is. I get the kind of the theory, it's just not as universal as I think they want to think it is, which is why it's a short segment. I, just, <laughs> I mean, now, it can help you understand yourself, maybe. Hey, that's a surprise. Maybe I do like that guy wearing the fireman's outfit. You know, maybe there's the trigger, but I don't think it can tell other people the truth. Maybe it can make you kind of face your own truth. But I don't know if it can face, tell anybody else the truth. Or maybe it could help you. But I don't know. Just seems so really simplistic. I, in my lifetime of experience, it seems like an overly simplistic. Overly simplistic. Yeah. Okay, this is this one. What is the lure of sex in the back of an airplane? I, it, other than the spoke fact, you're not supposed to do it. What's this? What's the lure? Well, some people like the risk of getting caught. Well, yeah, okay, and that's the only thing I can understand. It's that not, one, the, I can kind it, of understand I, it. I don't, I, that's not one of my things. I mean, it can't really but, feel good because how can it? You can't take the time. You can't even get undressed. Anyway, yeah, it's one of those things.
It's like sex in the shower. It's one of those things that sounds a lot sexier than it actually is. Well, it depends on the shower. If you have a big oversized shower, then yes. Well, yeah. Maybe if you're standing out in an open field during a nice warm summer rain, okay. Well, that's so romantic. Yeah, that might be romantic, yes. But sitting there in a standard breast, you know, in a standard household bathroom trying to say, I don't care if you've got a big shower, it's not going to be comfortable. And water is not as good lubricant. Just, can we just shower and go to things? Or before we shower, do our business and then go clean ourselves. I don't care which, just... <laughs> yes, I know. You were a sport. You tried it for me a couple of times, and then you gave up. <laughs> Especially with this low flow over a uh, low flow shower head, I'm not gonna put you through it. No, you get cold if you're the one behind, behind yeah, and not in the water. Yeah. yeah, anyway, okay, so here's another one. Why is tonight, not tonight, dear, so destructive? Now, this is actually an interesting question. Yes. So why is it destructive? Do you have a, what was their take well, on it? Well, I read it. Their take was on it that, you know, suffering, well, it says right here, suffering rejection by the person with whom we have pledged to share our life is is much odder and more humiliating, you know, than that from a stranger here yes. again. Yeah. yeah. The fear, because it's the fear of being rejected. It's not that one night, I'm not in the mood, can we, you know, that's not actually, not necessarily destructive. I think when they're talking about when it happens kind of repeatedly. And mindlessly, almost maybe, because you don't want to have you don't want to turn sex into a chore for somebody else either, because that's no fun. That has its own destructive. Right. right. So you're talking. So you, we're not talking about a mutually uh, exclusive thing here. It's not one or the other. You've got this dynamic where you know you don't want to coerce or force another person to feel like sex is a chore, or they're, or they're doing it. But at the same time, we do things for the pleasure of our other of our partners all the time. We do things we don't want to do, so our so partner can feel better about themselves, feel better about their day. Have a, you know, we do it all the time. Yeah. And you know. We do. Well, people do all the time. We just don't think about sex in the same way we think about buying flowers, or, or taking a trip, or all the various other things we do to make our spouses happy because it's in a sense it's more personal maybe we should think about it more like that but we don't and it's and we know where it comes from because for most of human history I mean all except the last probably not even one percent of human history sex has been about procreation that's it. There's no time. Life is too short and too too hard for anything else. You had multiple children because. Oh, come on. No, you had. Multiple... What about the world's oldest profession? Yeah, well, but that's that happens because young men specifically have 
hormones that need to be released, and smartly, young women won't give it to them, so there's professionals for that. So that's a psychological, biological reason. It's a biological reason for it. Young people have a need for sexual release. Young women specifically aren't going to, you know, in the past, we're going to give up their one thing that makes them unique, special, and valuable. They're not, we're going to give it up willy-nilly. And so you have professional women for that. Now, nowadays, those things are going away because the, the desire for the need for procreation and, and your ability to procreate is your value is no longer valid. Yeah. You know, so it's a huge step for all of humanity, quite frankly. But biology is going to take a long time to catch up to the reality of humanity. You know, evolution is a slow process and cultural evolution is quick. So we'll get there. We'll adjust. It's just the body will always be behind the culture. The, the, the biological pushes will always be behind the cultural pushes. And sometimes significantly. And that's when it becomes hard. So, the, yeah, not tonight, dinners because it becomes rejection. But, you know, it has to be balanced with you don't want to feel like sex is a chore. Sure, right. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard thing. Now, this is the one that I found actually interesting when I kind of did the reading on it. Why is impotence an achievement? And that's kind of the, uh, it's a good, it's a good philosophical question, to be honest. This, if sex comes to a point where you no longer actually need it in a relationship to be valid, it actually is an achievement. I'm not getting it. From a psychological... Well, okay, you remember, this is a psychological perspective. Not from a clinical psychologist's perspective. Mm -hmm. They're viewing it as if your relationships, your your body has decided that your sexuality is no longer important in the relationship, therefore it's given it up. Oh. I'm not entirely sure it's a valid point because a lot of these, you know, but maybe it is. Maybe some kind, some part of your subconscious decided, you know, I've made my children, I've done the thing, I'm satisfied, generally satisfied in my life, so I don't need that part of me anymore. I can go concentrate on all this other stuff that gives me more value. And if we assume that that's the case, then that would be an achievement. Uh, this usually happens later in life, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you've accomplished all those things and you're, psychology, you're satisfied psychologically and you've accomplished all that you, yeah, that only happens, it doesn't happen at 20. You know, you <laughs> it just doesn't, you know, it's, nothing wrong with being 20 is just you can't achieve that at 20 years old. You don't even know what the hell that is at 20 years old yet, even if you think you do. You just don't. Because you've still got 50, 60 years left. <laughs> All right, so what's next? What do religions know about sex that we don't? 
Well, that was an interesting question. Uh, the way they is that religions actually value sex, something to be protected and preserved. And so they do have kind of a point. I think they may, but they may carry it to a bit of an extreme. Yeah, that's a bit of an extreme statement. But we also have to remember that STDs existed back in the day. How do you prevent STDs from running rampant through a community without having condoms and modern well, medical? You don't. You don't, except. Abstinence. It's the only way to do it. Yeah, it's the only way to do it. How do you promote abstinence between with animals that have this burning desire to put the fear of God in people? It's what humans do for all of humanity. And you want them to behave, you put the fear of God into them. And there's a valid reason for it, right? Especially in small communities, you get strange, you know, Joe sleeping with Bob's wife and, and you know, Bob's wife sleeping with, you know, Sam over there. And next thing you know, you've got STDs running through the whole goddamn community. It happens today. Yeah. We can just treat these things. Now imagine what would happen back in the days when you they had no treatment for these things. People got sick. You could, yeah, you could wipe out a whole community. They died. Yeah, there's a reason there's a reason lives were short, you know. <laughs> it wasn't all because hangnails would kill you. You know, it's the same thing as today. Does marriage ruin sex? No. But I like their point. What marriage changes is it changes the the uh, environmental conditions that you operate in. So, so to speak. So it's not that marriage ruins sex. It's that you get married, you have a family, you have kids, you have other responsibilities. So 18 or 19, then well, okay, yeah, sure. It ruins sex, but if you accept the fact that sex evolves throughout your lifetime, its role in your life evolves throughout the lifetime, and you just accept it for what it is, then no, it just means you've moved into a different stage. That's it. Yeah, it should evolve over time. Yeah. And you could actually argue it's less stressful than when you're younger you're, and you run out looking for sex all the goddamn time, hunting like a goddamn. You know, trying to satisfy this like a fiend, like an urge, and that's not just a male thing. Women, women do it too. Yeah. So you know, they, they put on their they they put on their I want to be with somebody clothes and go out to the bars. <laughs> it's so much easier for women. But that has its own dangers, right? It does. I mean, just even just psychological data, you forget the, the real physical world dangers. I mean, just to, to your own psych, psych, psyche. I like it. <laughs> but didn't overburden me at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
right. Well, we're going to leave that one with you then. <laughs>
But again, the danger isn't necessarily you know maturing too fast. That's not necessarily the problem. Is that the problem is you're not letting them become who they are naturally. You know, that younger one is always going to chase his older brother, his older sibling. They always are. It's just the way younger siblings work. You don't need to encourage it. In fact, you should probably, you know, try to back it off a little bit as best you can. During a job interview, how do you talk about your weaknesses in a way that gets you fired? Because they do, they always ask you, what are your weaknesses? Okay, and that's an open-ended question to get you to see what kind of BS answer you're going to give them. Because everybody knows they're going to get a BS answer, unless you don't give them one. You can always give them an honest answer. And here's the reason why. Because do you want to work for some place that you have to lie to get a job at? Do you really going to want to work there? Is that culture and that environment really going to suit you? Now, you can frame your weakness well. Like, look, I'm real empathetic. My greatest weakness is I'm real empathetic. I have a tendency to say yes all the time. But, you know, the, sad, the, the, the benefit of that is I can relate well to help. And so, you know, my struggle is to make sure I balance it properly. That was, mine was always, uh, um, I pay attention to detail sometimes too much. I get bogged down. I have to watch myself. Yeah. See? So there's a way you can phrase these things. You can pick which weakness you want. One, you can pick which weakness you want to, you want to tell them, right? Because we all have many. <laughs> so you can pick which weakness you can tell them, and then you can frame it in a way that, in a way that says, oh, look, I already know the solution. I just have to continue to monitor it. But you're also telling them, hey, this is what I have to watch out for if I'm going to hire them. What I'm paying attention for is them overworking themselves. Great. I can do that. That's an easy task as a manager. <laughs> you know, relatively easy rather than I have to make sure this person gets is motivated. No, no, I just have to make sure they don't overwork themselves. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. So it's easier for a manager. So you have to remember, you have to put yourself into the position of the person who is hiring. What are they actually looking for? And they're looking for to make their job easier. That's what they actually want. Okay. I'm 26, never had a job, and learned my life with wrong decisions. Is there a book that can help me change my life? No. There are things you can do to help you change your life. Um, and there's a number of The one that comes to mind, even though it's, I, I don't want to necessarily recommend it, is there's this uh, a future authoring program. You can just search future authoring program, and it's it's like a quiz or a test that you can helps you kind of work through designing your future. You get to decide what your future looks like, but it helps you decide what you want your future to look like, and then helps you just and then you can figure out what steps you need to take to get there. Because what happens at 26 with no job, no life? Now you're literally at the bottom rung of life. 
and how do I get up from that? But there is a benefit to that. Right now is the best time to be 26 and never have had a job. Because you can walk into any fast food restaurant, any regular restaurant. You know, if you have a work ethic, you can get a job. All you have to do is show up on time and try. And if you're willing to do that, you can get your foot in the door. And then you then you start to work on yourself to make yourself better. Because what you need right now is just to get your foot in the door somewhere. You're not going to have a read a book. It's not going to solve your problems. But it can start you on a path so you can start solving problems. You can start knocking some of them down. And now is a perfect time to be needing a job because there's a labor shortage. So that's what you can do. And the next one is very similar, right? It's actually a kind of it's a it's a very similar question, but from the other end of the perspective. Right? 25 years old, feel like he's wasted his life. A software engineer doesn't know much about coding after two years of experience. What should you do? So here's someone who went to school, learned how to be a software engineer, gets into the real world and realizes that they didn't teach him anything. So now he's feel like he's wasted his life, probably has a debt, a student loan debt, doesn't actually know how to code in the real world because that's not what they teach you at school. And so now what is he going to do? It's the exact opposite of the guy, guy who's 26 who's never had a job. This guy's done everything he's, he's correct. And he's in the exact same spot. And I'm going to give you the same piece of advice. Find out what you really want. Do you really want to be a coder? If you really want to be a coder, you don't have to go to school for that. You have Skillshare and all these other places online you can learn to be a coder. Go to a Google or a Microsoft boot camp and, and do it. Code something. Just sit down to code it. Yeah, you'll code it wrong the first 10 times. So what? If you want to be a coder. If you don't, well, you know, you've got the certificate that tells people you can accomplish tasks if you set your mind to it. So change your job. Find out what you want to actually do and start heading towards that. That's all you can do. You're miserable, so you've got to change your life. You know that, and so you've just got to figure out an outline of a plan and start doing it. You know, and in a sense, the 25-year-old, he's easier. He's shown he's got, he's able to self-motivate, unlike the 26-year-old who's feel like, you know, get the sense he's completely lost in that, hasn't done his direction yet. At least when you find a direction, you've shown that you can accomplish that goal. So at least you've got some history behind you to help you yeah. through it. But you can do the same thing. Go to the future. Yeah. And there's there's a whole bunch of things like that. Just do some soul searching. Do some meditation. Get a life coach for a couple sessions. Whatever it takes. Okay, what's next? we got a couple minutes left. Uh... 
My boss joined the farm because I usually would work at 6 p.m. and don't stay until 8 or 9 like other employees. How should I handle this? Let them fire you? Because one, they'll have to pay the unemployment because that's really not a fireable offense. And right now is a good time to be looking for another job. Why do you want to work someplace that doesn't respect you? He wants you to have more loyalty to the company than you have for your family and the rest of your life. Why do you want to work for something like that? Is the money really that good? Are you, do, you, do you actually enjoy your job? Do you enjoy what you're actually doing? Do you like getting up and going to work every day? I somehow suspect not. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, there's a uh, YouTube guy I watch as Life After Layoff. And there's videos about there, you know, how being in the wrong job can actually cost your career. If you're in the wrong job, it's time to move on. You know, getting in the wrong job can set your career back four or five years, if, even if you only work there for three months. It's time to move on. It's not in an environment that's conducive to your. It's not the kind of environment you want to work in. You want to go to work, do your job, and go home. And he wants you to have more commitment than that. You have the conflict. Guess what? You're the one who has to change. You're the employee. You're the one who has to change. He can fire you. And because it's probably not a fireable offense, depending upon your state, you may actually have a, a case. I don't know. I'm, I'm no lawyer, so don't ask me that question. But I do know that in unemployment, if he fires you for that, you get your unemployment. So let him fire you. Don't let him bully you. Not Now is not the time to be bullied by an employee, an employer. There's, there's too many jobs available. At least in the United States. Do we have time for one more? Yep. Why can't most military personnel have long careers in the military? Well, you're probably you're better at answering this one than I am, probably. It's very stressful. Yeah. You put your you write a check to the United States Army that says you will your ass is on the line. That's stressful. Now, a lot of people like that way of life. They like to be told what to do. They like the predictability. They like this command the, structure and all that. The, 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 the structure, yes. Some people thrive. I did not do so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think that, that there's a little, the part of the factor is there's a limited upper mobility. Yeah. There's well, only so many generals. Well, you there's a lot of steps between private and general. And there's a lot of things you can go for. They you can stay busy chasing ribbons, you can you go TGY, you can uh, you could stay busy. Yeah, but what if you're not a hoop jumper? What if you're someone who like me who just despises needless pointless hoops? Um, you would not do well. I would not advise <laughs> you to go.
You would be in so much trouble all the time, you and your mouth. Yeah, see, so it's, it, my guess is it's not just, but it's also physically hard. Yes, it is. They demand that you stay, you got to stay fit. And it's hard on your family. You're fit to fight. And hard on your family. If you have a family, you can plan on there's going to be some times when you're going to be away. Yes. So there you go. There's all the reasons why it's militaries don't have long careers. It's not a job that's conducive to long careers. You know, only a handful of people are going to want to have a long career in that type of environment. Yes. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it is what it is. You know, you go in, you do your, you go in, you do your time, you learn some skills, you get out of your little town, whatever whatever the reason was for you to... For, that was my reason. You know, everybody has the reasons for going in. Some people, it's the only way I'm getting out of this this little town. And so it's... I know that personally, most people I know went into the military for that reason. It was the only way they knew to get out of this little town. But some people, like our friend Oscar, he's looking for something more. He doesn't quite know what it is, and so he joined the National, National Guard. He actually shipped off this week. Oh. Uh, to his basic. Uh, Oscar's taking on the military? Oh, they're taking on the Ohio National Guard. Good for him. Yeah, he's taking on the Ohio National Guard. So he's shipping out. And he's heartbroken because now he doesn't get to see his, his, uh, his beloved for a while. And, you know, and so... It's hard. And then, oh, they're going to go back to you. get to go back to old-fashioned letter writing. <laughs> I had so many letters from my mother. She wrote me one every day. Yeah. Now Oscar will be fine. It's it's he's got he's a good he's a good egg, but it's but the, that life is not for everybody, and that's what makes it hard. But you know, careers aren't all for everybody. Whether it's you know sometimes you're not meant to be a coder. Sometimes you're not meant to work in an office that expects 12-hour work days instead of eight. Sometimes you're not meant to have a work in a highly structured environment. Something like your own podcast is a much better thing for your mental health, for your family, for your own personal wants and needs. And it's all okay. It's okay for us to be different. Like that's what makes the world beautiful. It makes it what work. If we all wanted to do the same thing, then the things we, we don't want to do wouldn't get done. So we need people who like the things we don't like. We need this wonderful diversity of wants, needs, desires. And yeah, of course it's going to play out in sex. It's going to play out in the workplace. It's going to play out in how our, our relationships function. It's going to play out in how we raise our families. And we all learn from each other if we're willing to talk to each other. And that's enough talking for me tonight. Please do us a favor. Like, comment, subscribe, and all that good stuff. You can visit us at latenightlove.us. And please remember to love everybody. Good night.